Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, this has been an interesting year when it comes to the weather. We've gotten a lot of rain across most of Texas, but unfortunately, we've gotten too much rain in some areas, especially down in the coastal bend down toward the Rio Grande Valley. And that's really frustrating to have weather problems for the crop when we're having great grain prices right now. We'll talk more about that coming up in just a bit. Also, a big topic of discussion right now is expanding packing capacity here in the U.S. There was a House Ag Committee hearing on that recently. We'll talk more about that coming up. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas A&M's Beef Cattle Short Course is coming up. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. Farmers and ranchers have a seat at the table when it comes to global sustainability goals being discussed this week. I'm Michael Clements and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. It is a rare year when you can have both a good crop and have good prices. Unfortunately for some Texas coastal bend farmers, prices are good this year, but heavy rainfall has damaged the sorghum crop. Scott Frazier, a Nueces County farmer and rancher, says it's disappointing to see some grain sorghum sprouting in ahead this year when prices are above average. We've been a little snake bit in this area for a number of years. It seems like when we have a really good crop, we have pretty depressed prices. Or when we've had a pretty good crop and pretty good prices, then we have some weather issue like this that messes it up. Or if there's really good prices, we have a, you know, we're in a drought or something, we can't grow this stuff. So it's been really difficult for this coastal bin area to make all that match up to where we can you know, have the yield and the price the same year to kind of get ahead a little bit. We seem to be kind of stuck in this rut where we're just kind of treading water. We, we make enough of a crop for enough of a price to keep playing, but not really enough to build that new barn on or whatever that you want to do on those years that you have a good crop. Farmers in part of South Texas and the Rio Grande Valley also face rain-related losses in corn. Earlier this year, cotton farmers on the Texas High Plains faced losses due to hail and other weather-related incidents. The U.S. House Agriculture Subcommittee on Livestock and Foreign Agriculture held a hearing this week to examine urgent challenges in the beef supply chain. The subcommittee heard testimony about expanding packing capacity here in the U.S. Dr. Dustin Aaron is vice president and animal protein analyst for Rabo Agrifinance. He says we do need to expand packing capacity, but there is a risk of overbuilding. If all of the announced plans for plant construction and expansion come to fruition, more than 8,000 head of daily fed cattle capacity could be added to the U.S. beef industry over the next five years. If the beef cow herd declines by 2% or less, there's opportunity for about 5,000 head per day 
of profitable packing expansion. Packing capacity has gotten a lot of attention lately, with packers making as much as $1,000 per head, while fed cattle prices remain depressed. The Texas wheat harvest is done for all practical purposes, but there is some wheat still in the field up in the northeast part of the panhandle. This has been the harvest that will never, ever, 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 ever end. That's Wes Beal with Equity Exchange in Perryton. He says wheat harvest was going smoothly until June 24th. June the 24th when we had that big storm that made a big hail swath that started up northwest of town and up through Beaver County. And from then on, we've been in a great rainy pattern from a row crop standpoint. But from a getting wheat harvested standpoint, it's been a real, real struggle. You're just dead on. You'll get a few days of good cutting, and then we're out for another couple of days. All of those rain delays have given weeds a chance to get a foothold in those remaining wheat fields. And that poses yet another set of challenges to get that wheat harvested. There's very few chemicals that we can use to be able to knock those back that don't have a big long waiting period afterwards, which once you get it dry enough to get in and spray, then you've got another 7 to 14 days to wait until you can stay within the label on being able to harvest some of that stuff. So it just keeps going on. And, of course, test weights have been affected by all of the rain. Instead of bringing in what we had before it started raining, a lot of 62- and 63-pound test weight, all of a sudden we're looking at some 54- and 55-pound test weight and the dockage on that just continues to add up as well. Now, to be clear, Beal says there's not that many acres of wheat still out there to be harvested, but at current prices, it's well worth the effort to get that grain into the bin. Fortunately, we're down to, I mean, my estimate would be less than 5% of the total crop left to be harvested, but it's 5% that's out there that's trading at this very moment at $6.50 a bushel. It's certainly worth going to get. Wes Beal with Equity Exchange in Perryton. One of the largest beef cattle educational events in the nation gets underway right here in Texas next week. Jessica Domel has more on the Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course. Cattle men and women from across the state and often from out of state will gather in College Station next week for the 67th annual Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course. This year's event will include dozens of sessions on a variety of topics, everything from introduction to cattle production, nutrition management, forage management, landowner rights, managing exotic livestock with beef cattle, marketing cattle on the ranch, and purebred marketing. Dr. Jason Clear, AgriLife Extension Beef Cattle Specialist and Conference Coordinator, joins us with more. So in addition to all of the many different educational sessions we have, we have a very large trade show with vendors that range from banking to nutrition companies to pharmaceutical sales to big equipment manufacturers, and they bring their products as well. And people that attended last year virtually, they appreciated the education, but they missed the fellowship and uh, the networking opportunity to visit with other ranchers. And, and I think that's one of the big things about the Beef Cattle Short Course is it's a great networking opportunity for ranchers to talk among one another and visit about their operations. But we're excited that we'll be back to that format again. There will be live demonstrations as well. For the first two days of the Beef Cattle Short Course, we'll spend some time in kind of lecture-type settings. Wednesday, we know everybody wants to get out and, and see some live animal action and, and different things. We will have a cattle handling demonstration where Dr. Ron Gill and Dr. Bruce Carpenter visit with you about animal behavior and handling principles and how to work cattle on foot or work cattle on, on horse and just some things to think about. 
and Dr. Gill is known across the U.S. and around the world for his expertise there. And it's very practical cattle handling. And then we'll have a, a carcass fabrication session that kind of goes hand in hand with our marketing beef off the ranch. Our meat specialists will go in and they will fabricate out and talk to you about where the value of the cuts are. We've got a fence building demonstration where we show you fence building techniques, tractor safety and sprayer calibration demonstration. And then we have kind of what we call the cattle working demonstration. So we touch on things like branding, both hot iron and freeze branding, castration, how to properly inject animals. Uh, we're even going to highlight a new seedside pregnancy test as well. The beef cattle short course is Monday through Wednesday on the Texas A&M University campus. In-person and virtual attendance options are available. You can register at beefcattleshortcourse.com. That is beefcattleshortcourse.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Farmers and ranchers have a seat at the table when it comes to global sustainability goals being discussed this week. Michael Clements explains from Washington. As the UN hosts the Food Systems Pre-Summit this week, farmers and ranchers are providing input to achieve the UN Sustainability Development Goals by 2030. AFBF Young Farmers and Ranchers Committee member Charlie Ellington of Ohio took part in similar discussions this year and says it's important to have a seat at the table. we got to put our story out there because if we don't, someone's going to from their perspective. And there's no better way to put it out there than straight from the horse's mouth, as they would say, and talk about what we do, why we do it, and why it's important. When opportunities like these summits arise, I believe you've got to engage with them. You've got to take the time and the opportunity to tell our story to make sure we continue to get our seat at the table. Ellington says farmers and ranchers want to be part of the solution. We want to continue to improve our production, to improve what inputs it takes to get to those production levels. We want to be part of that solution and kind of the original green industry, really. I mean, that's what we do, and we've done it for a long time. We continue to get more more efficient and better at it. And and we're here to be part of that solution to continue to feed the world, really. Ellington attended an independent dialogue hosted by the Animal Ag Alliance earlier this year. He says the amount of people interested in agriculture's role is encouraging. In particular, in some of the discussions I was in, in a very positive way and wanting to hear from farmers and just know what we're doing, why we're doing it, and our perspective, as well as just listening to their perspective. I think that was one of the biggest takeaways is just how many different people were really involved in this and want to see this succeed and see the solutions moving forward. UN Food Systems Summit events continue throughout 2021. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Researchers have found COVID antibodies in deer. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And chronic gastro problems are common in dogs, but what could be the cause of that issue? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, we all get those belly aches from time to time, but chronic gastrointestinal problems can be very common in dogs. However, what's the cause of that problem? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look. We see lots of dogs in our practice with chronic recurring gastrointestinal disease called chronic enteropathies. This syndrome is usually characterized by intermittent vomiting and diarrhea plus decreases in appetite. There are multiple potential causes of this syndrome, including food allergy, ingesting pollen, inflammatory bowel disease, and parasites, and it is sometimes difficult to determine the exact cause. Recently, a study evaluated the role of house dust mites in allergic inflammation of the GI tract in dogs. House dust mites are a common environmental allergen, and almost everyone has some dust mites in their homes. The house dust mite allergen was measured in the gastrointestinal tract of 24 healthy dogs and 38 dogs with gastrointestinal disease. And the study found that house dust mite levels were significantly increased in the dogs with chronic gastrointestinal disease. There was also an increase in gene expression and protein levels of interleukin-1b in macrophages. And this is a cytokine that is found in the intestine of dogs with chronic intestinal disease. So it is likely that house dust mite exposure in the food or on the skin could be playing a role in some of the chronic gastrointestinal disease cases that we commonly see in small animals. Allergy testing for house dust mite allergens, as well as other allergens, could give us an idea of the allergens involved in the disease. A food trial with a diet recommended by your veterinarian to determine if food allergy is involved is a good idea, and biopsies of the intestinal tract can be considered in dogs that do not respond to food trials. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Researchers have found COVID antibodies in deer. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has confirmed that free-ranging white-tailed deer can carry antibodies for the virus that causes COVID-19. USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service analyzed serum samples from deer in four states between January of 2020 and 2021. Of the 481 samples they collected, 33% carried the antibodies. None of the samples were collected in Texas. The survey tested deer in Illinois, Minnesota, New York, and Pennsylvania. None of the tested deer showed clinical signs of the virus that causes COVID-19. Researchers are unsure how the deer were exposed to SARS-CoV-2, and it's possible they were exposed through the environment, people, or through another animal species. APHIS said the finding is not unexpected. White-tailed deer are susceptible to the virus, are abundant in the United States, and often come into close contact with humans. APHIS said widespread human infections with the virus that causes COVID, combined with human-wildlife interactions, create the potential for spillover between people and animals. So the agency is studying the susceptibility of certain animals, like deer, to the virus and help identify which species may serve as hosts for the virus. APHIS reports these studies also help scientists understand the origin of the virus and help them predict its impact on wildlife and the risks of cross-species transmission. APHIS notes there's no evidence that animals play a significant role in the spread of the virus that causes COVID-19 in people. Based on the available information, they say the risk of animals spreading it to people is low. APHIS says its information will be released in a peer-reviewed journal. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
It was another lower trading day for both cattle and cotton, but we saw a nice jump in the grain markets. We'll take a closer look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex moved lower on Thursday, feeling some pressure from higher grain prices. We closed with August live cattle down 57 cents, 122.50. The October down 37, 128.15. December live cattle down 22 at 133.27. Feeder cattle finishing lower, August down $1.67, 158.50. September feeders down a dollar fifty at one sixty one ninety five. October down a dollar thirty seven one sixty four twenty. Cash fed cattle trade still fairly quiet for the week. I mean, we have seen some sales, but just not big volumes. Here in Texas, we've seen most of our cattle sell one nineteen to one twenty. You move up into Kansas, they've got reports of cattle selling at one twenty two, and then up into Nebraska and Iowa, they're reporting cattle sold at one twenty three to one twenty five. Boxed beef trading higher on Thursday. Choice up two oh six at two seventy five twenty two. Select up 57, 256, 69. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's visit with Gary Butler. He stopped by to drink one with us. Gary, how was the sale in Nixon on Monday? Had a real good sale, Larry. We wound up with 1,049, 93 cows and 15 bulls. Uh, cow market, I don't know. see how it can get much better, Larry. The cattle are sure selling good. Uh, cow market might have been off a hair. They're still selling pretty dang good. Two and three weight steers, $1.67 to $2.16. Heifers, $1.43 to $1.75. Three and four weight steers, $1.69 to $2.11. Heifers, $1.46 to $1.78. Four and five weight steers, $1.54 to $1.95. Heifers, a dollar thirty-eight to two forty. Five and six weight steers, dollar thirty-eight to dollar seventy-one. Heifers, dollar twenty-eight to dollar fifty-eight. Six and seven weight steers, dollar twenty-seven, dollar sixty-seven. Heifers, dollar nineteen to dollar forty-eight. Seven and eight weight steers and bull yearlings, dollar twenty-one to dollar forty-two. Heifers, a dollar eight to dollar thirty-four. Cow market seventy-nine for the best cow. Bulls eighty to ninety-eight. Soccer cow didn't have. Whole lot to pick from 450 to 11 and a quarter pairs. We got seven, uh, 11, 75 to 14, 60, Larry. Good. What do we know for this next week? Larry, don't know any cattle come for the next week. Uh, the following week, the ninth, I think it's the ninth, I'm going to have 88 F1 cows coming. It's a complete sellout. 
there'll be some pairs on them. There'll be some bred cows. These cows will be straight seven-year-old cows. They should be pretty good, but that'll be the ninth. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Gary Butler. There you can catch us here at 830-582-1561 or 62. You can catch me on mobile, 830-857-4330, and we'll have some pictures on, on, on Facebook of the cows. All right. We appreciate you, and we'll talk with you Sunday night for the Monday sale. Thank you, sir. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Neighbor, have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Close mix. The August contract up 60 cents, 106.30. October hogs down 55 at 88.97. Class 3 milk lower. July milk down 5 cents, 16.47. The August down 15 at 16.20, 100 weight. The cotton market feeling the pressure from a somewhat negative export sales report. Also, it's the end of the month, so traders are taking profits out of this market. However, we did manage to stay above 90 cents. October cotton down 15, closing at 90.76. The December down 21 at 90.31. The corn market getting support from the weather forecast. Dry weather in the seven-day forecast for the corn belt, and that's supporting prices. With September corn up eight and three quarters, five fifty-eight. December corn up seven and a half, five fifty-six and a half. All week long, we've been talking about the poor spring wheat crop. The Wheat Quality Council's spring wheat tour estimating spring wheat yields at 25 bushels an acre. That's down from over 40 bushels over the last couple of years. So that's supporting our winter wheat futures. The entire wheat complex getting support from that poor spring wheat prospect. September Kansas City wheat up 15 cents, 674 and a half. September Chicago wheat up 16 and a half at 705 and a quarter. Rough rice was higher. September rice up two cents, 1368 a hundredweight. November soybeans up 16 and three quarters, 1377 and three quarters. August soybean meal up 40 cents. 356.50 a ton. In the energy markets, September natural gas up 7 cents at 403, September crude oil up a dollar 24, 73.63 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher with the Dow up 157 points, 35,088. The Nasdaq up 19 at 14,781, the S&P up 19, 4,419. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.